Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Be empowered. Be strong. Take charge. Speak life. Live life abundantly. Lee, get with it now. You are now entering the chat room, health chat with Coach Jean, that is, where we debate, debunk, educate, empower, impart, and raise awareness on all things related to health, healing, and holistic well-being, body, mind, and spirit. Let's go. Hey, I appreciate the hand clap. What's up, everybody? Greetings and welcome to another episode of Health Chat with Coach Jean. And I am your hostess with the mostest, Nurse Coach Jean Turner, here serving you up a plate of empowerment, encouragement, and awareness with a side order of inspiration as you strive to be the healthiest version of you that you can possibly be, body mind, soul, and spirit. And so Health Chat exists because of each who has called me to teach others stewardship over their health, health in every dimension of our lives, because any imbalance in any one dimension creates disharmony throughout our entire being. This, my friends, is holistic health, health and well-being in every dimension of what makes us whole, human, and complete, caring for the whole person because every dimension is interconnected. And so I give glory and honor to God. Thank you, our listening audience, for tuning in. And look, is someone on the line with me? What's going on? Tonight, I just want to give a special shout out to Ms. Kern Cherry and my fellow co-authors, our newly released anthology called Make It Happen. It came out last Thursday and hit number one on the international bestsellers list in seven categories. And we are so thankful. We give all the glory and honor to God. So again, congratulations to Kern Crockett Cherry and my fellow Make It Happen anthology co-authors. And speaking of books, tonight, my guest and I are going to chat on the topic, The Spirit 
of a warrior. We're going to talk about the resilience that it takes to walk through a cancer diagnosis, as well as the emotional, the social, the environmental, the mental aspects that go along with the magnitude of a diagnosis, as well as life beyond cancer for those of us who are conquerors. And so once a person is healed and has conquered cancer, and I wrote about this in the book that I published, The Spirit of a Warrior, and if you'd like, you can go purchase your copy of the Kindle download on Amazon or go to my website at www.spiritofawarrior.life. But look, you know, what we're going to talk about tonight, you can apply to yourself if you are going through that journey now as we speak or share with someone you know um, that is going through that journey and, 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 you know, on cancer treatment. And so we're going to tackle quite a few things like the fear of reoccurrence, taming that fear of reoccurrence, right, because it is real. And I know this is Christian broadcasting. I know that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but look, we are human beings, and sometimes we feel some kind of way, but we're going to also talk about taming the fear of reoccurrence. And so, so much that we're going to dive into. But if you're interested, my book, The Spirit of a Warrior, go to Amazon and download it as a Kindle download, or go to my website, www.spiritofawarrior.life, for The Spirit of a Warrior, Gene Self-Care Journey Through Chemotherapy. So let us pray and get it popping. Most gracious Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for yet another opportunity, another week to come before your people to broadcast another episode of Health Chat with Coach Gene. And it is my prayer that something shared on tonight between me and my special guests will encourage and edify and build up the listeners, particularly those who are walking through their own personal cancer journey. And, Father God, I pray your health and healing, peace, joy, love, and happiness for these, the listeners, from this day forward and forevermore. And it's in your precious son's name. We do ask and pray these things. Amen. Amen and amen. And so, without further ado, I want to go ahead and introduce my guest for this evening, um, she is Dr. Shawnee Fox. She has stepped up over and over again to help cancer survivors, I like to say conquerors, because I don't believe we were created to survive, we were created to thrive. But she has stepped up over and over and over again to help others through their greatest challenges to include taming fear of reoccurrence, repairing devastated relationships, and making the most of the life they survived for, bringing her unique expertise as both a holistic physician and certified life mastery coach. She has impacted countless cancer conquerors with her life-changing workshops and warm personal presence. My guest tonight, Dr. Shawnee Fox, is the author of The Cancer Survivor's Fear First Aid Kit, and is a popular speaker and podcast guest for survivor communities. Her posts and articles have been published in the Huffman, excuse me, the Huffington Post, 
Breast Cancer Wellness Magazine, and the peer-reviewed Natural Medicine Journal. And so without further ado, I introduce the summer present to others, Dr. Shawnee Fox. Ma'am, are you in the virtual building this evening? I am, and I'm very happy to be here, Coach Jean. Hi, how are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm well, happy to be here. Thank you so much for joining me uh, this week here in the chat room. And so is there anything else that you'd like our listening audience to know about you before we dive in? You did a great job with the introduction, Coach Jean. Let's do it. All right, let's lock and load, rock and roll, as we say in the Army. Let's get with it now. So, look, I want you to um, – <laughs> I'm silly, I know. <laughs> so, uh, share with our listeners, if you will, explain what exactly is a cancer survivorship expert and what is your role as such. Well, I think something we need to recognize is that the, the conventional cancer care system, for all the things that it does very beautifully, still doesn't, it, it's still very much focused around cancer treatment. And of course, that's extremely important. Um, but what happens, the, the typical experience of people who go through cancer treatment is that while they're in treatment, they know exactly what they need to do, when they need to show up, who's going to be there to support them. And then the day comes, hopefully, that they finish their treatment, and everybody celebrates because it is, in fact, a milestone to celebrate. But that moment, all of a sudden, you know, there might be cupcakes and balloons, but after that, everybody says, okay, so long, and then on to the next patient. And the person who's just finished treatment is standing there thinking, what the heck just happened? Here I've been supported so beautifully up until this point, and now all of a sudden they're left to basically fend on their own when they're not the same person that they were when they started this journey. And they often are not in great shape at that particular point in time either. They're often exhausted or they have symptoms or, uh, you know, there, there could be any number of things, not to mention emotional issues that go along with, hey, you know, what just happened to me? So this is an area where, where the care system is still scrambling to, to catch up with what actually do people need in that particular situation? So I, I observed that gap in care and realized, okay, that, that people who have been through cancer treatment and who are about to enter survivorship, hopefully, or perhaps they're living with cancer, but in either case, they have particular issues that aren't being well recognized and certainly you know, helpful solutions are not being offered. And so when I observed that gap in care, that, that is the gap that I entered. That is how I dedicated my own practice. Uh, and I've been doing that for about the last mm, nine or ten years. Wow. And you know what? I am so glad that you are joining me here this evening because, as you know, and I've been very transparent with my audience, I am a cancer conqueror. Never thought it would happen mm -hmm. to me to hear those mm -hmm. words because in my, my, my mind, I thought I did all the right things, Okay. And so when you are mm -hmm. suddenly, when you are the perfect picture of health and then you are suddenly told those two words that no one wants to hear, it's malignant. From that moment mm -hmm. on and even beyond the treatments, I'm glad you brought that up because many people, and I know I did this too, Dr. Shani, I was like, oh, gosh, I cannot wait till these treatments are over so I can get back to life as normal, as usual. 
But then I realized there was no such thing as getting back to life as usual, life as I once knew it prior mm-hmm. to the diagnosis and treatments. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think you're spot on, Coach Jean. I think, you know, an experience like that has some things in common with, in common with trauma. From the minute you're diagnosed, you know, the, the definition of trauma basically is a situation which upends all the assumptions you ever had about what makes life safe and normal and predictable. And so that's exactly what happens. You know, people, very often people are not expecting a diagnosis of cancer, so it comes as a surprise. And then once they've been diagnosed, once they've heard the diagnosis, there's almost no time allowed for them to digest what happened just now before they're whisked into treatment. Now, I'm not saying, again, that that shouldn't happen, but at the same time, we need to support people in this upheaval that they've just been through on the emotional level. So they go through treatment, you know, again, one foot in front of the other. It's all you can do typically just to keep going with that. Um, but this emotional fallout remains and doesn't get dealt with frequently until after the treatment is over, if it gets dealt with at all. So, so yes, it's very upsetting. And, and then people come out and, you know, there have been losses of various kinds. It, it might be, I mean, some people have lost body parts. Some people have body image issues, even though, you know, perhaps the, the work that was done was internal. Uh, some people have lost relationships. There's all kinds of changes and grief for those changes. And it's an enormous amount of process, and you're right. Things do not go back to exactly the way they were because too much has happened from that point of diagnosis on. Yeah, because I felt throughout that I was going through the grieving process, especially the first few months. And so I kind of equated to, you know, I believe it's Kubler-Ross, the grieving process, Mm -hmm. you know, You, 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 you go through this thing of, like, whoa, wait, what? Like, you go through that. You go through, um, you go through the disbelief. You go through bargaining. You go through, oh, my God, you, you go through the whole gamut. So it is mm-hmm. a loss. It's loss of life as you knew it prior to the diagnosis and the treatment. And even for those of us who have conquered it, right, and we're healthy today, this life is not the same. Like, no, I have a whole different not. perspective, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, tell, let's talk a little bit about that grieving process. And can you take our audience through that? Because to me it was exactly the same thing except no one died, you know, physically died. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. No one physically died, thank heavens. <laughs> but um, but the person, you know, in a way, we can think of it as the person you used to be may have died. Um, again, not a physical death, but there's some there's there's definitely grieving for something that will never be the same again. Now, fortunately, the physical body is still there, and of course, the spirit is still there. And frankly, you know, what we can forget in this process is that there's part of us, spirit-wise, that cancer can never touch. So cancer, of course, can be devastating to the body, and it can certainly grab all our attention for that reason. Um, and it can be very hard emotionally. But when it comes down to who we really are, the essence of us, that essence actually is coming through cancer with us, and that's the place that we can go back to. That's, the, that's this touchstone that's remained constant uh, the whole time 
And so part of the key to coming through and beyond this is to get back in touch with that part of us, that, that, that eternal essence of us that never changes, that's a spark of God in us, and to, to make friends with that part again and to develop that part again. Because that part not only is constant, when, and there's some reassurance that goes with that, but that's the part that can also rebuild itself into something even more beautiful beyond cancer than it was before. Yes, yes. I, you just put that so beautifully. That was so beautifully said. And so I want now, if, if you don't mind, um, you've encountered patients, I'm sure, at various, what I like to say, pain points or, or touch points of the cancer journey. So that you've encountered, I think, I believe people who are at the beginning, maybe halfway through and afterwards. And so just give our audience an example of, of, of what is that like? Like what is like one of the main things when you encounter them at these different touch points that they may communicate to you? Uh, well, you're correct. I, I have worked with people at all points along this journey, along this continuum, in treatment, uh, when treatment's over, people in remission, people who are still living with cancer, and even in some cases, people in hospice. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've worked at all, all the different points. Um, one of the things I hear most often is, but they didn't tell me about this. You know, people, I mean, it's a requirement when people receive medical treatment that you be told in advance about, you know, the treatment that you're going to receive and possible side effects and that sort of thing, although even that sometimes is incompletely communicated, I've heard. Um, but what, what, what is especially not communicated is anything about the emotional toll and particularly the emotional toll once treatment is over. Uh, you know, I've heard people say that sometimes that's the hardest part emotionally, um, that, that was actually the most, the most frightening part because, you know, if you're diagnosed, almost no time is wasted. They, they, they put you right away into your program of treatment. And so, uh, again, you have support going through that process. But when they let me go out of treatment, then all of a sudden things are at such loose ends and that causes an enormous amount of fear for people and nobody warns them about that part. So that's one of the things I hear a lot is nobody told me, nobody warned me that this was going to be so hard. And it is hard. It is not easy because you're going through, I think every day for me was an emotional roller coaster ride. Every mm -hmm. day I had highs, I had lows, especially the further in the treatments I got when I was really, really, really not feeling my old self. And, and, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the treatments was building up in my body and making me feel all kind of strange ways. Um, you know, you feel as if you've lost control. Um, yes. You lose that sense of control, even if you're not a controlling person. But, like, for instance, I felt as if I had no control over when I go out. I couldn't plan anything. Uh, you know, people, we have different events, but, you know, number one, because the treatments lowered your white blood count, so I had to be careful about not getting an infection, being around a bunch of people, crowds. So I, mm -hmm. I, I and, and then there was this thing where I was trying to schedule 
different things that I thought maybe I might want to partake in around treatments. They just take over your life. I mean, yeah, it felt like it just took over my entire life. Yes, yes, you bring up an excellent point here, an excellent point. This, this is, I would say, is probably the second thing that I hear most often from people. I don't feel like I'm in charge of my life anymore. Uh, and, and interestingly, I, I, um, I think the conventional care system, very unintentionally, you know, I, I, I give them lots of credit for what they do, and I know they're very well-meaning, but an unintentional consequence of cancer treatment as it's offered in our country is that it's very disempowering. Again, you know, people are diagnosed and immediately they're whisked into treatment, and so everything is predetermined. You know, who you're going to see, what you're going to do, you know, exactly when you're going to do it. Everything is on a very specific plan, and I'm not at all diminishing the importance of that. It's very important. But after you've done that for quite a few months, which is typical, it's often, you know, months that people are in treatment, uh, you come out the other side, and all of a sudden, that whole structure that was there is gone. And so, and people, even people who are very much self-determining before that, because they've been, they've, they've had to hand themselves over essentially to a system for so long, they, they come out the other end very disoriented. It's like, well, who's going to tell me what to do next? And so that, that's a very, again, nobody intended that, but it, it, they end up very disempowered. And so that's part of the work that we have to do is bring them back to their own center to hear their own intuition, their own inner guidance, and to learn to trust that also. Because, again, doctors, nurses, everybody, they're wonderful. They're, they're wonderful guides, but they actually don't have all the answers, and particularly when it comes to your emotional and spiritual well-being. That has much more to do with you and your own intuition, which, again, you know, comes from a higher place. So we want to put people back in touch with that, so that, yes, they're, they're hearing what their doctors have to say, they're hearing what the, all, all the other associated professionals have to say, but ultimately they are back in the position of being able to make decisions and choices that they feel empowered to make and that feel good about. That's part of the work that we do. Right. It is very, you're in a very vulnerable position. Yes. A very vulnerable position. Yes. And no Indeed. one likes to feel vulnerable, I don't believe, right. anyway. And so this is good. This is really good discussion. And um, I, it needs to be had even within healthcare among um, the, the providers, the medical teams within hospitals and cancer care treatment centers, you know, support groups, even with the American Cancer uh, Society Association. Because unless, I mean, I, I just feel that, People don't get it, like. But then again, you you if you have not walked through that or been affected closely by that, then it's hard to really understand. We cannot comprehend that which we have not ourselves walked in or walked through. But sure. now I'd like to touch on another point, and that's that fear of reoccurrence. And I don't care what nobody says, anybody who has walked through that journey in the past, I believe there's always that fear of reoccurrence with every repeat scan. You wonder, that 
fear, that anxiety comes up? Or is it just me? I don't know. What What is your experience? Oh, no. <laughs> no, it's not just you. In fact, I, I could ask you it this way. You know, do you know what the, the uh, most common side effect of cancer is, Coach Jean? Is it that fear of reoccurrence? It's fear of recurrence, and this and this is supported by research, which uh, the the analysis of many 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 research studies has shown that about seventy percent of survivors, so seven zero percent of survivors, struggle with uh, persistent fear, uh, especially about reoccurrence. So that actually makes it the most common side effect of cancer. But nobody is talking about this, <laughs> and and given that research shows that it's so common. We need to anticipate that this is going to happen. We, we, we need to, you know, th- this needs to be part of every conqueror's uh, post-cancer treatment plan, you know, survivorship plan is what they, what they call it in the, in the, in the medical system, that we have right. to offer people ways to, to deal with the fear when it comes up because it is that common. It's a convincing majority of survivors. <laughs> so it's not at all just you. <laughs> wow. Now, I'll admit, this last time, and I, I completed treatment uh, three days, two days after Memorial Day in 2019. And so I'm mm-hmm. going on two years, uh, well, tomorrow's May. So this mm-hmm. month will be two years since my last, since treatments, my treatments ended. Wonderful. And this last time I had a scan was in December because now I'm at, I was every six months, I was every three months and six months and now a year. But the last one in December, I will admit, I was, it crossed my mind, Dr. Shawnee, but it was less anxiety or fear than I had had previously. But I contribute that to my faith. I really, really mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for those that, you know, maybe they, 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 they don't lean on faith or not spiritual, Uh, What are some ways, like, what can be done to help tame that? Hmm. Well, you know, you said something very interesting in the introduction to our session today. And that is, you know, you said God didn't give us the spirit of fear. And and I can't help, I, 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 I totally agree with that. Not the spirit of fear, but the fact of the matter is that our bodies are biologically wired to create fear. So, you know, we have a whole stress um, management system in our body. Um, we produce certain hormones when we're afraid or when we need to be afraid. You know, and again, this is prehistoric. This comes from a time, you know, if you think about prehistoric people living out in the open, if a wild animal comes towards you, you need to be afraid. You need to have, you know, the, the, even the biological reaction that gets you up and running away and you're out of the way of that or a, a falling boulder or whatever, you know, a, a, uh, uh, hazards of nature are out there. So we actually have a biological system which creates fear and a physical response to fear for survival purposes. So even though it wasn't, I mean, in, indirectly it was God because God designed us, right? But, but, um, but we actually had that. So we have to realize that we're going, you know, our bodies are going to produce fear even about imaginary things. You know, I could be just fine today. My, my doctors all tell me I'm really well. And yet, having survived this experience of cancer, I keep thinking it could happen again. It's imaginary. It's not here today, but it's imaginary. It still makes me, it still awakens that biological response. So it is a very real thing, a real, a real reaction, the sphere reaction. So in order to 
respond to that or to manage that or to get back in the driver's seat, let's say, when that occurs, we have to have something which we train our, in which we train ourselves so we are stronger or more determined than that fear, which is an automatic response. So we've got to, we've got to train ourselves how to get back in the driver's seat. Now, some people do get there with faith. Their faith is very strong. And when they, in, in that way of thinking, you know, God is greater than anything else. And so if God supports me, then that has to be greater than my fear. I can handle this. And, and if a person is able to get there that way, well, more power to them. That's, that's, that's beautiful. That is, that is one way. As we both know, of course, not everybody has that kind of faith. So we have to find some way in which to um, lift a person's spirit where they feel the greatness of their own spirit so that they can turn to fear and say, well, you know, I see you. I know my body produced you. Um, you're here. But nevertheless, you're not in charge. I'm going to be in charge even though you are here. And that's, again, something I help people train themselves to do is to take back the reins when fear appears. I got that. I like that. That is good. That is good. And so the next thing I want to I wanna talk about is how that affects, how that journey, walking through that, affects your relationships while you're going through treatment and even after. And why? Because we're not the same people that we were prior to. How does that affect one's relationships? Hmm. A great question. Again, one of the side effects of cancer that's, I mean, cancer's not the only thing that can uh, interfere with relationships, of course. There's many things, but it's, it's one of the things that can, and very severely too sometimes. You know, I, I often say that cancer is a truth teller. Cancer's a truth teller. And by that I mean that if there were fault lines, if there were weak spots in relationships before, you know, it may have been easy enough to sort of just put them under the rug or, you know, um, brush them off and not deal with them. But when something as significant as cancer comes along that cannot be ignored, it will bring up to the surface these things that we tried to suppress earlier. And they've got to be dealt with. And, of course, this is very difficult on top of all the physical challenges and everything else. So there, it's very interesting we see two very distinct uh, effects on relationships uh, during a person's cancer journey. Sometimes things turn out for the best. In other words, people step up for the patient in a way that, oh my gosh, they never expected it. You know, people really came and helped in all kinds of ways that the person didn't even know to ask for. And of course, when that happens, when love is expressed in, you know, in, a, in a higher and more beautiful way, there's nothing we can say about that. I mean, that, that's gorgeous when that happens. And something the person is usually grateful for the rest of their life, and the other people who actually do the helping feel blessed by that for the rest of their lives. So that's an incredibly beautiful uh, scenario that can happen. But of course, sometimes it's just the opposite. Sometimes the people, the very people that you thought would show up for you in such a situation, don't. Or they try, but their efforts are for lack of a better word, simply inept. They just don't know what to say. They just don't know what to do. And they turn out to be sometimes more in the way than helpful. And that's yet another thing that the person has to deal with. So at times, that can actually break relationships. You know, a person's, let's say, siblings don't show up. 
for them, you know, people that they might have expected very reasonably to show up and it doesn't always happen. Um, that could be extremely hurtful. And there's yet another thing that the person has to deal with uh, or not. You know, either they, 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 they may not have the strength to deal with it and yet they're carrying this terrible hurt, which only adds to all of the difficulties that they're dealing with. So yeah, people can find themselves in very difficult positions with respect to their relationships both during and, and then beyond the cancer experience. Right. And then, you know, speaking of relationships, there are just some relationships that are not healthy for us to be involved with and certain people that are healthy for us to have to deal with when going through that because that is Mm -hmm. a time in your life when you really have to surround yourself with positive people, people who are Mm -hmm. going to encourage and edify and uplift you. That's not the time to be around negative Nelly and, and, and that tribe. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's not the time to be around people who are going to add to your stress that, that are going to make you feel some kind of way other than, you know, uh, uh, helping you to heal neither. So, yeah, I, 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 do, I do believe that, you know, walking through that will make a, either make or break some relationships. And mm-hmm. so... The other thing I wanted to touch on is, you know, um, and I'll say this again, my audience knows I'm very transparent, but I know after I heard those words, it's malignant, and probably for the first two to three months when I was trying to wrap my head around it, I felt as if God was punishing me. And so is that Mm -hmm. something you also hear from your clients that they who've also felt that way? And if so, how do you coach someone through that that feels like they're being punished for something they did or did not do that God is punishing them? Mm. I have heard that before, Coach Jean. Um, and that's unfortunate because it's very understandable, certainly, but it's, it's unfortunate because it's yet another burden of shame or guilt or something that a person has to carry that, you know, they, they don't really need that at the time, given everything else they're dealing with. Um, what I try to re- help people remember is that there's absolutely nothing fair about cancer. Um, it really, it, it's not that it just happens to people who deserve it. I mean, not even close. Uh, there are people, you know, sometimes we can make a, an association between, let's say, a person's um, unhealthy lifestyle um, and, and the fact that they got cancer. I mean, you know, a perfect example is, you know, the person who wouldn't stop smoking and ended up with lung cancer. I mean, that's, that's a pretty known and clear and proven association, unfortunately. Um, you know, so occasionally that happens, but most cancers, you really can't draw a straight line like that. You know, a, a lot of things can contribute to the development of cancer such that we even see cancer happening in what look like extremely healthy people otherwise. You know, I mean, out of absolutely nowhere, a person will get cancer, a person who's, you know, who eats well, who's the proper weight, who, who exercises, who does, you know, nominally everything, quote, unquote, right, and still they get cancer. Um, so it's, it's not fair, and there's no clear reason for many cases of cancer um, because there's so many factors that can go into it, some of which we are only just beginning to, to learn about, like, for example, environmental things, um, electromagnetic fields and such. You know, we really we don't fully understand yet how these things affect uh, the growth of cancer in us, or if they do, but, you know, these are things that are being investigated. So we've got a lot more to learn. And so for the time being, what I, I, I just try to help people remember that 
it, in most cases, we cannot point to something you did that caused this, not at all. Uh, it really is something that happens to a certain percentage of the population. There's very often no rhyme or reason. And you know, if you choose to focus on that, you're just going to saddle yourself with something else to, uh, that's very difficult to deal with. Why don't we let that one go? Let's leave that one with God you know, or the universe. Why, why, right. you know, why, why this happened? We'll never know. Just like there's many things in life, we'll never know why they happened and to that particular right. person. But sometimes we just let that go and we find ourselves with more of our own energy and resources to put towards our own healing. Yeah, and you are so right because when I finally let that go, it probably was uh, I had the surgery in July, started treatments that August of 2018, probably around October time frame, two months into it, when I finally let that go and, and came to the conclusion that um, – but, and again, it was my faith that helped me to come to this conclusion that mm-hmm. I was right where I needed to be at that, in that present moment mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. for whatever reason that it happened, that somewhere down the line that my experience would be used to be a blessing and to help somebody else. Mm. And when I started looking at it from that perspective, then my, my whole perspective and outlook shifted. That doesn't mean that there wasn't days where I felt like crap, didn't feel good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I really almost died as a result of the treatment, to be honest with you. But when mm-hmm. I shifted my perspective and took it off of me and why, 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 God, what did I do, and started to mm-hmm. um, think, you know, how and what I'm going through is going to be a blessing to someone down the road. Um, yeah, so it took away that guilt of, you know, I did something, I must have did something. It took all of that out the picture, and I began to see the bigger picture. And I just thank God I'm grateful that here I am now and here with you on this with this week's episode. We're having these conversations that are helping people worldwide who are listening in now and who will catch the replay on their favorite um, podcast platform, you know, I'm on Clubhouse and different mediums, you know, to help talk through these things as well. So, you know, we never know. And so you are so right, and I thank you for saying that because, yeah, it's no rhyme or reason. Like myself, I mm-hmm. met a y- another young lady through social media who was a yoga instructor. I think she said, picture perfect a health like I was. And then suddenly, bam, and you think you've done all the right things, and then something happens. But that can be with anything, right? We can leave out of our home and go get into a severe car accident or something, right? No mm-hmm. rhyme or reason. Mm-hmm. And so thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that. Um, so let me ask you this. When it comes to nutrition, right, what we put in our bodies, and not even just nutrition, what we put on our bodies and lifestyle changes. What are some things that you share with your clients that they can do going forward? Oh, that's a huge topic, Coach Gina. <laughs> I think we'll have another conversation sometime about that. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But in, yeah, well, here's, here's something in a nutshell, perhaps, that will be useful to your listeners. And that is that, 
So let's, let's take nutrition for a moment. You know, it could apply to exercise, it could apply to sleep, it could apply to all kinds of lifestyle choices. But um, the question I have people think about or you know, get, get used to holding in mind is, if I'm about to eat something, how will this serve my body? We want to be eating things that serve our bodies. When, you know, when, and, that, and that covers a whole variety of things. I mean, everybody's heard of, you know, eat the rainbow. You know, eat, eat foods of all different colors. And that, that ensures that we eat lots of fruits and vegetables and that sort of thing. But no matter what you're about to eat, think, how well is this serving my body? Am I, am I uh, serving my body, this body that was created for me, that's the most amazing container that I live in, that I get to experience life through it? Am I supporting it? Am I nourishing it? Am I treating it like the holy vessel it is when I eat this particular thing or this particular meal? Um, because if I, if I think about it that way, then there be, there, there, we, we start to see the higher purpose in nourishing ourselves. And that is, you know, when people start to hold on to that and get comfortable with that, get, you know, align with that, they start to realize, oh, you know, I don't really want that other thing because, you know, there's something else I could eat instead. You know, I'm hungry. I want to eat something. But there's something else I could eat that would be much better, that would, that would heal my, my tissues, that would, um, you know, support my nervous system, that would support my brain, that would make me, my muscles stronger so I can, you know, be stronger and exercise uh, and, and not even just exercise. So I can play with my grandkids, you know, more, for more time and with more strength. Um, whatever it is, you know, am I, am I putting in something that will support what I want to get out here? And so that's kind of the philosophy I take with making choices because, you know, there's no one, you know, I don't prescribe foods for people so much as I help them make the choices about it. You know, I help them be independent about that. I want them to be able to make their own choices. That's empowerment. And that's one of the ways they can make choices that really support themselves. Right. I like that what you said because your independence has been taken during that time of the the diagnosis and the treatments, right, you become very Mm -hmm. dependent on others. And that was one thing I never wanted to be. Um, I watched my mother over the years depend on people for just about everything, and I said, well, I never wanted to be like that. So I've always was Miss Independent, right, Miss Independent. I think Mm -hmm. we all wrote a song Mm -hmm. about her. And then when that Mm -hmm. happened, I found out really quickly that I am not an island, we all need somebody, and that moment in my life, it seems like I became everything that I tried to avoid being, and that was mm-hmm. dependent on someone else. I always tried to avoid that, never wanted to be that, and never wanted mm-hmm. to feel like I was out of control, like I had no control mm-hmm. over certain things. That was two things mm-hmm. right there that I tried to avoid like the plague all my life. But during that Mm -hmm. time in my life, found myself right where I did not want to be, dependent on someone Mm -hmm. else, fully dependent, and then, um, yeah, feeling like I had no control. So I'm right there with you, Coach Jean. (laughs) I'm right there with you. I was the same way for so much of my life. I didn't want to be out of control either. Um, that was really hard for me. And, and uh, so, you know, you know, when I got over that, um, when I got over that was the day I realized that giving and receiving is a big cycle. It's kind of like inhaling and exhaling. We can't just inhale and we can't just exhale. We have to do both, otherwise it doesn't work. So giving and receiving is a similar cycle in, in the greater scheme of things in the universe. 
we sometimes we are the givers and and that's beautiful and and more power to the givers but givers also need to know and to receive we we all have, find ourselves in both places or different places at at different times in our lives so when i realized that allowing myself to receive was a blessing it allowed somebody else to give to me when i got that one day then i realized oh okay i don't feel weak for receiving anymore i, I i'm recognizing that i'm contributing even as i'm receiving because the other person gets to give and so yet they another thing we give. work on with, with the conquerors mm-hmm. yes they someone else yeah. gets to give and we know it's more yeah. blessed to give than to receive and when we don't allow others the space to give yes. the opportunities yes. to give then we're holding up their blessings i believe mm-hmm. oh yeah yes. allowing somebody else you know the space and the place and the time to give to mm-hmm. be givers dr shani our time is up my god share with the people real quick how they can contact you contact you oh sure so uh one place is my website which is www drshanifox.com so d-r-s-h-a-n-i-f-o-x.com uh, you'll find a free webinar there you'll find my blog there uh, and and various other resources as well so uh, also you can contact me through my website if you like no no uh, that should be the easiest place to do that or you can find me on facebook and facebook i'm cancer survivor doc wonderful again Again, as we prepare to wrap up another episode, another week of Health Chat with Coach Jean, I want to say thank you once again, Dr. Shani, for joining me here in the chat room this week. Oh, my God, this has been phenomenal, and I look forward to continuing the conversation offline. A very special shout-out to my producer, the Batman of Charm City, Mr. Jerry Royce Live, and to you, our faithful listeners thank you for tuning in from wherever you are throughout this nation and abroad and so join us next week as my guest and i will be discussing vegetarian diet what is that what does that look like and she's going to share her story of how she went from pork chops to plant-based so join us here next week in the chat room again dr shani thank you so much I look forward to having this discussion with you again, like I said, offline. And I wish you all peace and health. Good night and God bless. Thank you for joining us for another episode here in the chat room. Health Chat with Coach Jean, that is. Until next time, if God says the same, I pray peace, health, love, and well-being for you and your family. God bless you. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.